Well, good morning. How's everyone doing today? Good. good. I'm going to grab this stand real quick just to give me some point of reference. But then uh, if you don't know me, my name is Brian Remsch. I am the um, I'm the pastor. They let me pastor a church uh, over in Mount Airy, Maryland, which is a really scary thing, actually, that they let me pastor a church. Um, what they do is called New Beginning Church, and we're excited to hopefully we'll get to meet a few. Uh, those churches get together on Friday evening. It's coming up really quick um, this Friday. Um, but I'm excited to be with you guys this morning. Um, as I told during our family service that um, I was here almost a year ago. Um, and it was actually probably the last Sunday that I played hooky at my own church was when I came here for the launch service of, uh, of Impact Church. And so it's fun to be back and to see you guys and to see what God is doing and to hear what's happening around here and, uh, and to be able to preach this time. Um, so that's really cool and really awesome. This morning has felt like a really fall type of morning, right? I mean, this morning I woke up and I went outside and I realized, okay, I need to make sure that I've got the jacket, the kids have everything together. And, and as we end up, and as the fall season starts to come upon us, I start to realize that there's a few things that I, um, there's a few things that I, that I, that I think of during that time. I don't know what it is. It gets into the last quarter of the year and I get a little bit kind of thinking back towards the rest of the year. And, and I realized that it's kind of the, this time of year is the ending of some of my favorite, favorite family traditions in our, in our house. Um, my wife's here with me and, and each year we do a bunch of different family traditions and a lot of them revolve around the summer because my wife's a school teacher and so that's when we have time to do a few things and a few extra things. And so one of the things we always do every spring and summer is we plant a vegetable garden. We always have a vegetable garden every year. We've had it since we started, uh, we got married, and, and every year it's, it's the same basic charade that we go through every year. All right, every year what happens is that um, around March or so, um, I get really excited because it's starting to get a little bit warm. And eventually I, I realized that, that someone gave me the keys to a tractor with a, with a tiller on the back of it. And I don't know about the rest of you guys, but if I get my hands on a big piece of equipment for a while, I get a little excited and I do a little bit more than I probably should in that situation there. I don't know what it is, but I just get a little excited about it. So I get on this tractor and I get the tiller behind me and I get so excited that what ends up starting is like, we should, we should really keep the garden small this year, right? We should really make sure that we keep it, you know, so we can take care of it. It becomes this big, large ordeal, right? Because I've got a tiller on the back of a large piece of equipment and I'm going to use it for as long as I possibly can, all right? And so we end up with this massive garden and eventually we go, well, you know, if it's all tilled up and we don't have to mow the grass over there anyways, well, we might as well plant all of it, right? We might as well try to see what we can get out of it. So we decide we're gonna plant the whole thing and we're gonna plant it with all these different things. We get really excited about this bountiful harvest that's gonna come from this massive garden. And I end up with these great ideas about, you know, being able to save some food for the, for the winter and give some food away. All this wonderful stuff is gonna happen there. And most years we end up biting off a whole lot more than we can chew, but we have fun with it for a while. For our first few weeks or so, we have fun with it. We plant it, we're real diligent about weeding there, we get up early and we make sure we weed before school starts and all these different things. And, and it's really great for a few weeks and then all of a sudden what happens is, is, that, is that we start to slack off a bit, right? The 5 a.m. wake up turns to 5.30 and then six and then all of a sudden we're just trying to get kids on the bus with a little lunch in their hand and hopefully they have every, all their homework done and everything else, right? And so the garden then starts to suffer. We don't keep the weeds away so it's quite the same way. And, and eventually, eventually we end up engaging in another yearly tradition. This yearly tradition always happens when my wife and I are standing next to each other. We're usually looking out over our garden there. We're sitting there, something like this. And 
Usually it's Maria's turns to me and she just goes, it's just a bunch of weeds. It's just a bunch of weeds over there. This year, Maria said this while I was holding my arms filled with produce from the garden. So I had my arms full, I'm like tossing things out, like squashes falling out of my arms as we're doing this. And we're sitting there and I'm like this, holding a bunch of, bunch of food that just came out of the garden. And my wife's like, it's just a bunch of weeds. I'm like, it is? Really? It's just a bunch of weeds? It's never just a bunch of weeds that are there, but that's often for Maria and I, when we get to a certain point in the gardening season, that's all we can see is it's just a bunch of weeds. I started to realize that that's the way many of us tend to see the world, right? We tend to see a bunch of weedy, a weedy world, right? We see a lot of weeds out in our world, a lot of the bad stuff that is going on. And most of us tend to see the bad stuff a whole lot clearer than we see the good stuff, right? We tend to see that, that the, the things that are wrong with the world a whole lot clearer than the stuff that's good. Now, granted, there's a few of you that are Pollyannas and you see the world and the sunny side of life all the time. That, that's fine, all right? That's great, that's great, that's wonderful. But, but the majority of people, I think, and I think it's a growing majority of people, tend to see the negatives a whole lot easier in our world. This is what our culture just throws at us over and over and over again. We're constantly encouraged to look at the bad stuff. Have you ever watched an evening news broadcast anytime recently? Evening news broadcast, what do they do? This bad thing happened, that bad thing happened, this bad thing happened, these bad things happened. Oh, and at the end, right before we turn the program off, we're gonna give you a feel-good story just to kind of sum it up with a nice little bow so that, that we, see, we can at least say there was something good that we threw into this, right? But it's really just, it's a weeds story, right? It's an hour of here are the bad things going on in the world, right? Right? I don't know about you. I don't know what your social media you know, news feeds look like on Facebook and Instagram, but I know what mine does. And my guess is yours looks a little bit like mine. And it's just a bunch of people complaining most of the time. This bad thing happened to me. That bad thing occurred. The, the, the McDonald's checkout person bumped my order again. All right, Whatever the case may be, we, just, we, we share the bad stuff that happens. And it just becomes this feed of all the weeds that are in our world, all the complaints, all the worries, and, and all the fears that go out there. I remember taking a marketing class when I was in college. And a marketing professor sat there. And we were talking about different, different marketing strategies and things like that. And, I haven't forgotten this to this day. In fact, it's, it's really good, Michelle, when we're talking about church and stuff like that, is that, that people are seven times more likely to share a negative situation than they are a positive situation. You mess up one time as a business or as an organization or as a church, and people are quick to get on Yelp and write that scathing review. Oh, I can't believe they messed up and this horrible thing happened. But if you're an organization, a church, a business, a restaurant, you do things right seven times, you're likely to maybe get one person who goes on there and gives you a five-star review. One person who says, oh, I love that thing. We tend to focus on the negatives, right? That tends to be where we focus. That tends to be the things that we, we, we tend to perseverate on. And see, it's quite obvious to many of us because of that, that there's a lot of weeds in our world, a lot of bad stuff in our communities. And let me just throw it out there. I know this is the, this is the great church, so I'm going to talk about my church while I'm here, okay? So I don't want to talk about your church so much, but if, if your church is similar to my church, it's fine, all right? But, but in my church, there's even some bad people at our church. There's even some people that don't do it right all the time. They mess up. They, they have issues and struggles, and, and, and they even do some things that maybe at times we would say aren't 
the most wholesome are great things. They, there's some weeds in our churches, right? Not here. This is a perfect church. This is, this is it. This is the best church in the world, right? All right. But, but at least a new beginning. There's some weeds in our church. And so the question starts to arise when we start to realize just how many weeds, how, much, how many negative things, how many bad things there are that are going on in this world. The question arises, what are we to do with that, right? What are we to do with the bad stuff that is going on in the world? What do we do about the weeds and the evils and, and the stuff that's going on in our world? What does God want us to do? Does he want us to take all the things that we think are bad, the things that we think that are, that are wrong or, or unjust or, or evil or, or just we don't like? All right, because let's be honest, a lot of stuff we just don't like. We call it evil, but we just don't like it, really. All right, all the stuff we don't like, and is God calling us to be the people that uproot all the weeds, get rid of them, and throw them all out? Or is God saying, you know what, just deny, deny, they're not really there, it's not that big of a deal. There's that Bible verse that says that God works all things for good, right? So, like, you know, that's probably a good thing in the end anyways, right? So it's not really that bad. Do we just throw it under the rug, act like there's no evil in our world? Are we supposed to sit there and uproot all the weeds in our world no matter what the price? Really, the question becomes, and this is an integral question that, that impacts our day-to-day -day lives, how we engage with the world, is how are we supposed to deal with the bad stuff, the evil things, the difficult people, the stuff we just don't like, all the evil, we might say, that's in our world? You know, the good thing is that weeds are nothing new. Weeds have been around forever, it seems like. Evil has been in our world since, since the very first, our very first father and mother, Adam and Eve, there ate of that first fruit there. And the world was fallen when Jesus walked the earth. Granted, he didn't have a Facebook account, but if he did, I'm sure it would look a whole lot like ours do. I'm sure that his social media would look the same. I'm sure that if there's a news source his day, it would be very similar to our day. And thankfully, Jesus kind of speaks this idea of what is going on. What are we supposed to do with the evil, the bad stuff, the difficult people that are in our world? What are his followers to be about in the midst of a world that has fallen? And yet there's also some good that is going on in our world. So if you have your Bibles or you have your phones, you want to turn and scroll with me, you can go to Matthew chapter 13 if you want to. We're going to be starting in verse 24. If not, that's great too, because we're not going to have the words up on the screen, but here's, here's, a, here's a hint, all right? Around a campfire, there's no screens normally, right? Around a campfire, you're telling stories, right? And no one's got three points for, to a story. Everyone's sitting down just telling their story verbally. And so scripture was originally told verbally. It was something people listened to, and they let speak to them through their ears, a verbal thing. And so I'm going to read this to you, and if you want to, this is the way Jesus originally told these stories. And so count yourselves lucky as one of those who gets to hear it verbally this morning. We're in Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 24. It says, He, being Jesus, put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and, went, and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the household, householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slave said to him, then do you want us to go and, and to gather them? But he replied, no, for in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. 
Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. You know, this is a pretty straightforward parable that Jesus tells here. It's fairly short. There's not a lot of, a lot of stuff to it. The plot line's fairly easy to get to and, and to figure out what's going on here. There's a man. He owns a field. He owns this field, and just like any landowner of his day, he's got a field that he wants to plant with seed so he can reap a harvest. He can have food for him and his family and maybe even to be able to sell a little bit and make a little bit of money on the side. And so he goes out and he buys good wheat seed to seed his field with. Good wheat seed means that this is pure wheat seed. There's no impurities. There's no weeds that are mixed in. There's no, no like, this is kind of half and half or, or, or questionable. This is good wheat seed. He's bought the good stuff, and he knows that it's good. Nothing else should be coming up. Everything else has been taken care of. And so he's excited, right? He's excited about this, this great harvest that's going to come. He's excited about these great things that are going to happen. But then someone comes in and it sows tares. My translation says weeds. Some of your other translations might say tares that are there. This type of weed that is, that is, that is sown among the wheat. The man's servants figure out that there's some other stuff that's growing there besides just the wheat, and, and they realize that, that something has happened here. Some weeds have been, been planted among this wheat, and, and so they go to the farmer, and, and just like any other farmer would do, they want to go to the farmer, and they want to go, hey, let's pull the weeds. Get rid of the bad stuff, right? Get rid of the evil. But you see, the problem is, is that when you start to dive a little deeper below the levels of the scripture here, you start to realize that this isn't just any old weed, you see, I kind of came to this scripture, and I started reading it about a month ago, and uh, I had no clue what a tear was. I had no clue, except for that I read a couple different translations, and I figured that a tear was a, was a weed, because it kept being translated that way, all right, back and forth. But then, but then I read something that said that a tear is actually a specific type of weed, and it's this diabolical type of weed. I'm so thankful that we don't have this, Maria, because we would be in a, a heap of trouble right at this point in time. Because it's this diabolical type of weed that is present over in, in, in modern-day Israel now that, that actually grows and looks exactly like a wheat plant until the seed head fully forms. So until it's harvest, you can't tell the difference. It's completely indiscernible from the good stuff. It looks like it's good wheat. It looks like it's a good plant. It looks like it is doing the right things, except for as it is growing, it's sucking up nutrients and water and all these good things from the actual good wheat that is growing alongside it. And so the servants want to do what most of us want to do, right, when bad things come. They want to uproot all the bad stuff. They want to take away all the evil. They want to get rid of all the stuff they don't like. They just want to uproot it, get rid of it, and throw it out, right? But the, the landowner says, uh-uh, we can't quite do that yet. We can't do that yet because you servants don't have all the information yet. That wheat and those weeds, they look awful lot alike. It's almost impossible to discern between the two of them. And you probably can't figure out exactly which plant's a weed and which plant is wheat. And so when you start pulling things up, you start trying to, trying to weed the garden, what's inevitably going to happen is that you're going to end up pulling up some of the good plants in the midst of trying to get rid of the bad stuff and the stuff you don't like and the, and the stuff that, that's not good. And you're, you're likely going to leave some of the bad stuff 
because you thought it was good stuff at the end of the day. You don't have enough information to do this. And so the farmer tells them instead, let the weeds alone. Don't worry about them. At harvest time, we'll take care of all of this. At harvest time, it'll be obvious which plants are which, which ones are which, and what's going to happen here. And so when that happens, then the weeds will be gathered up, they'll be burned, they'll be taken care of, and the wheat will be harvested and be brought into its master's barn. Pretty simple story to figure out, right? Not a, a complex plot line. And yet I think Jesus tells this story in a way that is meant not just to show us the interaction between good and evil in our world, but also what are we supposed to do as good and evil both coexist in our world today? I think most of us are well aware that both good and evil are happening all around us, right? We see great things that happen all the time, like I just put a child to sleep in the middle of a worship song just a minute ago. That was an amazing miracle. That's the kingdom of God breaking through. Parents, can I get an amen? All right, exactly, all right? That is a beautiful, wonderful, awesome thing. It's the first time it's ever happened, um, but it's a wonderful thing, all right? There's other more important things, like, like addicts finding recovery. There's things like, like people choosing to have their, their children and, and choosing to continue forward with unwanted pregnancies. There's all sorts of different ways that the kingdom of God breaks through all around us. Good stuff that is happening. And yet at the same time, there is deeply evil stuff, Right? There's stuff that we know is bad, we know is, is not right, we know just, just irks us and messes with us and, and makes us yearn for the day as that song said, come Lord Jesus, come. Both of us, all of us know that there's good and evil in our world. And if our world's too big of a thing, we all know that there's good and there's evil that are going on in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, and yes, even in our churches sometimes, there's good and evil that's at work, good and bad that are at work at the same time in all of these different places. And each of us tend to lean to one side or the other, don't we? Some of us tend to lean to the side where, where we just more or less want to ignore the weeds. We'd rather just act like it's all good, there's no bad, there's nothing wrong. Or there's other of us that go to the other end of the spectrum, Right? And we're about to go scorch earth policy on everything. I don't care what gets burned. I don't care what gets pulled up. I don't care what happens. But all the weeds are coming out. And I'm going to be the one that does it. I'm bringing justice here, all right? And we're the, we're the justice. We're the warriors. And that's great. And that's wonderful. But I want to put out that I think in telling this story, Jesus shows us that there's a third way. That we don't have to get caught up between this dichotomy of either, either you're ignoring the weeds or you have to go and pull everything up yourself. But that there's another way that Jesus calls us to live in the midst of a world in which good and evil coexist. I think the first thing that Jesus tells us here is that he tells us that you can't deny the presence of the weeds. You've got to have an understanding that the weeds are there. The weeds are among us. There are awful things that happen in our world. Not everyone that you come across means for good in our world. Not everything that you come across or every person you come across is going to have good things that come out of it. Our neighborhoods, our schools, our communities, our world, and our churches are at best imperfect. That's the best we ever get to, is imperfect. Which means that we don't always get it right. All right? Pastor Eric doesn't always get it right. He's not even here to defend himself. More, I know, all right? Michelle gets it right a whole lot more often than Pastor Eric does, all right? All right? 
but she doesn't even get it right all the time. Churches don't get it right. Workplaces don't get it right. Schools don't get it right all the time. There are evil in our world. There's evil in our world. There's bad things that happen. And we have to acknowledge that that's just a part of our world. Sweeping it under the rug doesn't solve a thing. It doesn't make anyone's life better off. It doesn't bring the kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. So we have to make sure we know that there's weeds that are in our world. The landowner realizes there are weeds in his field. He is not trying to sweep it under the rug. He's not trying to act like they don't exist. We have to acknowledge this evil and the need for change to happen in our world. But, but even as you acknowledge the, wheat, the weeds, don't miss the wheat either. Don't miss the wheat while you're looking at the weeds. It may seem like it's all just a bunch of weeds out there. It's all just evil going on out there. The whole world's going you know where, all right? And that may be what you think, but guess what? There is wheat growing all around you. The kingdom of God is growing up, sprouting forth, and moving forward all around us, even today. Can I tell you that the kingdom of God is not a retreating kingdom? The kingdom of God is not losing ground. The kingdom of God is not any, any further pushing forward than it was 50 years ago. But the kingdom of God is always advancing, always storming the gates of hell, always moving forward. The kingdom of God always is on the move around us. God is on the move all around us. Don't deny the weeds. But don't miss the wheat. It's there. It's all around us. But in addition to that, I think that Jesus tells this parable in a certain way so that we're reminded that as we start to look at the good and the evil and the things that we like and the things we don't like in our world, that we not just realize that they're both existing, but that, that we also act and we judge with humility when we engage with those things. When it comes to what we believe are the weeds in the world, we must realize that while we may realize, think that these are the worst things that could ever happen, or we really don't like this stuff that's going on, or these things are awful, we have to realize that on this side of eternity, we never have all the information to judge fully and completely what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is evil, and certainly not who is in and who is out of the kingdom of God. That is not our job to take those places. We must realize that we, have to, we judge with humility. Because, see, I know that... that that you've got your list, right? Each of us has our list. All the bad things in the world that we need to get, get rid of or change or make different, right? We all have our list. And if you don't have your list, just go to the local McDonald's. There's probably on a, any given morning, there's a group of old men. They're gathered there with cups of coffee in their hand. And they're going to tell you all the things that are wrong with the world. They're going to tell you all the reasons why the world is worse off now than it used to be. And how everything is going awful. And, and just everything is the worst thing it could possibly be, all right? All of us have our lists, right? All of us have our things. And my guess is that your list is not my list. Weird. And your list is not, not her list. And, and my guess is your list differs still. And, and your list is different. And my guess is that there might even be a few things that you think are evil that, that someone else thinks are good. And we're both Christians here. We're both followers of Christ. We're both trying to be kingdom people. How can that be? Well, the fact of the matter is, is that we often don't have all the information. 
Jesus tells this story with a certain kind of weed in the midst of this, one that is absolutely indiscernible from the wheat until the seed head forms and the fruit appears and we're ready for the harvest time. I think he tells it that way for a reason. Because quite frankly, yes, there are a few things in our world, definitely, that we would all go, yep, that is evil, that is pure evil, that is awful, and that is so antithetical to what God wants to do. But then there's a lot of stuff that sits in this middle area, stuff that really, if we were to be honest, we just don't like all that much, or that is changed, or, or isn't our favorite thing that is going on, that maybe isn't the pure evil, obvious, yes, we have to put an end to this now type of situation, but it's just something that that we mess, it messes with us. We don't like this stuff. It's, not, it, it, it's uncomfortable for us. It's not, it's not, it's not right, or, or we want it to, to move quicker to get to the next thing that we know will be good in our lives. You see, I think that the people of God are, taught, are, are being told by Jesus in this that there's weeds and there's wheat, but we've got to be humble enough to realize that we sometimes don't have all the information to figure out what's a weed and what's good wheat as we look at it. That sometimes we don't know enough. Sometimes we wait, we try to move too quickly. And we try to rip out all the weeds too quickly and get rid of all the stuff that we think is bad. And we end up doing more harm than we do good in the midst of that. If you're not sure what that looks like, just take a church history class. <laughs> it's riddled with situations where the church has decided the kingdom of God's not moving fast enough, God's not moving quick enough to get this job done, and so the church said, we're going to take this into our own hands. Crusades! Let's go kill everybody, all right? They thought that was a good thing. We probably look back and go, that was uh, pretty close to pure evil um, in a lot of ways, all right? That's a bad thing, all right? We think we should move quicker than God is moving, we start to get worried that God's kingdom isn't moving fast enough, and so we take it into our own hands. We say, we're going to get rid of the weeds ourselves. We're going to go and do this, and it's going to be God's work to do this. And what ends up happening is we end up making things harder. We rip out the wheat along with the weeds. Too often, I think the church has tried to play the role of decision maker. And especially we've tried to play the role of decision maker as to saying, who's in and who's out of the kingdom of God. You're in, Frank. Because you and I, we believe the same thing. But I don't know about you over here because we might differ on a couple little things here. So I'm not sure. You know, you're, you're kind of out over there. But you're in over here. You're good. And, and somehow I took the responsibility to be the person that says who's in and who's out. But I don't know all the information. I know it's a trite cliche that gets thrown around every time. But I firmly believe that when we get to the other side of eternity, we will all be surprised be surprised at who ended up there. We're going to sit there and be like, Michelle, what? Did you get your identity like, mixed up with someone else's? Because I was pretty sure you weren't getting in here, all right? I was pretty sure this wasn't going to happen, all right? Like, I thought I knew you pretty well, and you were off doing these other horrible things. I was pretty sure you weren't going to make it, but, ah, Erica, yep. Whoa, you're here? That's awesome. That's great. But then there's going to be other people who are going to be like, oh, little John's here? I didn't think he was going to make it. I was pretty sure he was out on this one. I was pretty sure that wasn't going to happen. All right? Let's be honest. We're going to be surprised. And the fact that we're going to be surprised shows that we tried to play decision maker beforehand. And we tried to say, I'm pretty sure you're in and you're not. You're a part of the kingdom of God and you're not. That's not our job, folks. 
This parable reminds us it's not our job to say who's in and who's out necessarily. That job is left to God when he knows, and he knows everything that's supposed to be known. Our job is to simply not deny the presence of evil in the world. Our job is to act with humility and grace towards others in the midst of our evil, fallen world that also has so many good things happening. So then finally, I think Jesus tells this story to help us to focus on what really is the most important thing. I think he tells this story to show us that we are to focus on the kingdom of God that is growing all around us. And at the end of the day, we need to trust that God will bring justice where justice is needed. That doesn't mean that we don't work for those purposes as we live in our day-to-day now, but it means that in the midst of our lives, we need to realize that contrary to popular belief, the kingdom of God is sprouting up all around us. That contrary to popular belief, the world is not just a bunch of weeds. There is great fruit that is occurring out there. There are amazing things that are happening. There are awesome stories of God's kingdom moving forward, of lives being changed and being transformed by the grace of Jesus Christ. And they are happening all over the place. The question is whether we have eyes to see and ears to hear the kingdom of God or have become so focused on the weeds that we can't see what God is actually up to in our world. You see, every person that finds hope or joy or love in Jesus Christ, that's an act of the kingdom of God. Every person that makes a decision today that today I'm going to live into what Jesus says about me and not what everyone else or the world tells me is true about me, that's an act of the kingdom of God at work in our world today. Every time the addict says, okay, I know I messed up again last night, but today's a new day, and I'm going to work towards that next chip or the next key ring or the next tag, um, that is an act of the kingdom of God at work in our world today. You can list these out over and over again. Every time an orphan finds a family, whether that's in a physical sense or whether that's in the fact of we feel orphaned and we find a family of believers, a family of people that we can belong to, There's an act of the kingdom of God at work in our world today. You see, the kingdom is moving forward. And there's nothing that can stop. God is on the move in powerful ways. Wheat is growing in the field. And folks, it's going to yield a harvest. It's going to happen. Yes, God wants us to be about his work, and yes, the obvious injustice is he wants us to weed those things out and get rid of them and move forward into the kingdom of God. But I really think that what Jesus is telling us here is that that kingdom people are people who actually see and point to the places where the kingdom of God is at work in our world today. That's what it means to be a kingdom person. Kingdom people, yes, sit there when injustice happened and go, that's not right, that's not good, that's not what God wants. But more often than not, kingdom people, their constant mantra, their constant story that they're constantly saying is, hey, look what God is doing. Hey, look what is going on. Look, that's the kingdom over there. Look, these great things are happening. These awesome things are happening. Come on, let's be a part of those things. Let's get out into the field. Let's keep working. Let's be about the great things that God is up to in our world. And you know what? While we try to remove some of the injustices, and that's a great thing to do, 
The great thing is, is that we are reminded that we are not meant to be the people that bring the final justice blow to the world. We are God's partners in this time, but we also trust that there is a day, and you spoke of it earlier, there is a day where every injustice will be removed, where every evil will be gone, where every disease will be no more, where every tear will be wiped away, where everything that you and I sit there and go, that just isn't the way God intended it to be, will be made right again. You see, folks, this, this is the core of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We get so caught up in so many of these other things, but this is what it means to be gospel kingdom people. What it means is that to realize that God's kingdom through Jesus is moving forward and has been moving forward for 2,000 years. And it's going to continue to move forward. It's going to continue to change lives. It's going to continue to change communities. It's going to continue to change neighborhoods and schools and workplaces. And yes, it is even in the business of changing and transforming churches to move forward into the vision that he has for them. And his promise is, is that while we seek to live into that kingdom that is moving forward, that harvest that has happened, his promise to us is that he will take care of all the evil. He will wipe every weed out from that field. And that every injustice and every evil and every hurt and every pain will be taken away. And that we then will have the, the delightful eternity of living in God's kingdom, being welcomed into his house for all eternity. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, folks. This is the story that we're meant to be about. I know this sermon doesn't leave you with three things to go do this week. Instead, I think it leaves us with a story to go live into this week. To be kingdom people. To be people that point to what, where the gospel is moving in our world and go, that is my God who is at work. That is Jesus Christ who is moving in our world. There are, there's good wheat growing here. Let's shepherd that wheat. Let's, let's be partners in bringing about the harvest that is to come. Knowing that God will be faithful to one day remove the evil and to welcome us into his kingdom, his perfect and holy kingdom. So we're going to finish with a song here in just a minute. But as I do so, if you're just someone who says, I want need to be more of a kingdom person this morning, and I'm someone who just, I struggle. And let me tell you, this is the boat that I'm in. So let me just jump in there with you, okay? I, I so easily see the negatives in our world. And I so struggle to see the kingdom of God moving forward. If that's you this morning, I just want to encourage you, yes, sing these songs and things like that. But let's, let's spend a couple minutes just praying. Asking for God to change our hearts and to move in our, our bodies and our minds and our souls to show us and give us eyes to see the kingdom of God this week. Our ability to see where God is moving so we can be encouraged to continue to be the kingdom people he's calling us to. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you that we don't have to guess. We don't have to.